Welcome to the Nine Brawl Podcast, where we tackle daily life challenges and apply God's word to illuminate and preserve his truth while leading others to salvation through Christ Jesus. Let's join your hosts. Hey everybody, this is Jeff Anthony Garcia and Sean Campbell. And welcome to the Nabro Podcast. Come on. Yes. Sean, do you hear that? Hear what, man? Absolutely. There's no screaming kids. <laughs> it's like, it, what is it? Simon and Garfunkel, The Sound of Silence. I don't, I don't know if we're going to be able to pull this off, man, because we're going to have kids screaming outside, banging walls against the door. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. It'll be a definitely focused podcast now, and we won't be hearing screaming unless it's ourselves screaming at each other. I think that's a good thing, man, because, yeah. you know, this, like we were just talking about, this is not easy. Yeah. Great way to segue. This one is not an easy one. I don't think everything that we've done prior to this has been easy either. Yeah. Um, but this one is very a hot topic. It, it it comes with a lot of baggage. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. And uh, we're about to unzip that baggage here and take a look at it. So uh, we are going to be going over homosexuality, but in, in general, really, we're going over sexual immorality and why would i key it to that my good friend my brother because <laughs> like we talked about a few weeks ago we're all dirty rotten wretched sinners and if it's not according to god's plan it is all sexual immorality and you know what we're going to talk about seems like we've said it seems more visible but it's really no different than straight sexual sin but you said earlier today it gets judged differently which is truly a shame yeah and i wish i could have came up with that myself obviously it's through studying and then videos um that it was revealed that even inside the building we can forgive masturbation we can forgive adultery yeah we can forgive premarital sex yeah and something that we're not touching base here, we can even forgive abortion. Yeah, we need but to. when it comes to the topic of homosexuality, there's a whole different game to that. That is something from, and I'm only speaking of my experience, that the, the church struggles to help with. That they're like, we admit everyone into our hospital but you. Yeah, and that's it's a cry and shame. Because... Yeah said like you asked me it's all the same just presents differently so uh the podcast is going to be a little bit different this week sean you know i'm a firm believer that uh someone who hasn't struggled with something can't really help someone that uh hasn't struggled with that issue what's your feelings on on that well i want to push back just a little bit because you know like our brother Stephen Leaf, who's helping to lead the recovery ministry, you know, a year and a half ago, told the church, we're all addicted to something. And I looked at Stacy and said, I need to meet that guy. Because one, he had the courage to say that, but two, he was allowed to say that. Um, but what I learned in that ministry is addiction's addiction. But with this one, because it looks so differently and because it's harder to hide, from what I've observed and what I've heard, people who struggle with homosexuality feel like they're fundamentally different. And so, like we talked about in the video this morning, and then this one we're going to talk about now, is from the mouth of people redeemed from this sin, they're actually speaking the truth of their experience and explaining how God redeemed them from that. But I think it's important that we let Jackie speak to lend credence, maybe even more value on the topic. And we're talking about Jackie Hill Perry. Uh, if you can let everyone know a little bit about Jackie, I know that we introduced her week one. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while since week one. So if you can just refresh our memory, who Jackie uh, Hill Perry is. Yeah. So. Jackie O'Perry is this just incredibly gifted speaker. She is a spoken word artist, um, just has this gift of 
speech. I love listening to her talk. She's got this great rhyme and rhythm to how she speaks, and it just speaks really powerful to me. But, you know, she struggled with, she describes that from about the age of six, she really felt like she was attracted to girls, um, but she felt like she had to hide it until she came out in high school. Um, and she describes that she lived this lesbian lifestyle for a, just a couple years in high school. And then someone lovingly met her where she was and she'll be able to tell that story, but she's just, she's been completely redeemed and she gives all the glory to God. She, in her book, gay girl, good God, she says like the thing isn't the thing. And she's going to get to that, so I won't steal her thunder um, quite yet. But yeah, she's just this incredibly gifted speaker, but incredibly wise. And she's been there, and she's just got this authority, I guess is the right word, because she's lived it, because she's experienced, and because she's seen the other side. Um, I'm really excited for you all to hear this short testimony of hers. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. Let's go ahead and let's get into it. Greetings, saints. I said, greetings, saints. I grew up in the black church, so we get excited, all right? Um, so Rosaria kind of just said almost everything I'm going to say, and so I'm probably just going to be like a replica of First and Second Chronicles and repeat everything that just happened, but in a different way, okay? My name is Jackie. Um, I live in Chicago with my husband of one year and my daughter of seven months. Um, I grew up in St. Louis and for a good season of my life, I dealt with sin, but same sex desires. I remember maybe as early as kindergarten having this kind of inordinate affection towards the girls in my class. Around high school is when I engaged in a lesbian relationship with a friend of mine um, and I was in the lifestyle for maybe two years or actively pursuing it. Um, but in that place, God met me um, when I was 19, which was 2008. And when I met Jesus, it wasn't me turning my life over to Jesus to be better or to be heterosexual. It was simply me meeting Jesus and giving him all of me. Um, and giving him all of me, he changed all of me. I get questions about my testimony a lot, whether how I changed and how I haven't gone back. And really the only real tangible response I have is the gospel. Um, and the gospel is such a cliche Christian term that we throw out that I think we lose its value and its depth sometimes, which is that we, born in sin, shaped in iniquity, chose to disobey God. And because of that, we became his enemies, made in his image. But God in his love towards us sent his son to live the life that we cannot live and die the death that we deserved. He resurrects from the grave and now he commands all of humanity to repent and believe in his name. And those who do that are made one in union with Christ, which leads me to my first point about how the gospel equips those who struggle with same-sex desire. Wow. You're not kidding when you say that she knows her way around words. Mm -hmm. yeah, she's definitely amazing. Um, I want to lead with, with this. She's about to break down three things of how the gospel is key to everything and our identity in Christ. But I want to backtrack a little bit to what you mentioned was her struggle from kindergarten into high school. And basically she said god came and found her at 19. so if, we're, so if we were to subtract two from 19 i don't i'm not the best at math that means that at the age of 17 is when she stepped into accepting that she's lesbian and she was going to go ahead and play that role out pursue that life right so figuring kindergarten is usually five years old give or take yeah yeah that's 12 years of being in the shadows and all i can think about is what was that like yeah you know we've talked about this several times over the last few weeks that you know in my case because of trauma i felt the same thing at about the same age in fact it was preschool for me my first memory of sexual immorality she was older than me but 
I remember it's like it was yesterday. And from about that age, about five, I figured out pretty quick, I really like girls more than anybody else did. I was always trying to get a girlfriend. Um, but like that, I felt like I had to hide it because other people I saw got condemned in front of the church. And so I was too smart in that case that I just knew I had to keep it to myself. And um, it was my senior year in high school when, wasn't when I got found out, but that's when I realized I didn't care anymore. And I just openly pursued a sexually immoral lifestyle. And it took the pressure off, I guess. Like, just had to subdue that, what felt like innate, born with it. Preschool, man. <laughs> that 12-year period, just I had to suppress who I thought I was, who I was sinfully attracted to. And then just about the same time, the end of high school, I said, I'm done with it. I'm tired of living a lie. This is who I am. I'm just going to act it out. And I started with you earlier, like, how heartbroken I am about those things, not only for like yourself, but just other people yeah. <clears throat> in general, whether they grew up in the church or not. And I think now that I attend church, um, like I'm even more heartbroken because we've been talking about this for the last four weeks when, when the Holy Spirit's like, Hey, you ever, you remember that show you used to watch as a kid called MASH? This is what you need to refer it to, right? That, we're, we're supposed to be a place that helps people and not reject them. That is like, wow, we'll accept everyone but you. Yeah. There's a, there's a but you somewhere, right? But you as a drunkard or but you as a thief. A drunk you as a slanderer. A slanderer, <laughs> right. An idolater, right? And uh, someone today brought up in class that sometimes the sin's not the issue that they, I don't want to misquote what they're saying, um, that they have the issue as far as like uh, the sin itself, but that the people find themselves in that, that they identify themselves in that sin. Yeah. And, the, and this one was in particular to the LGBTQ uh, community, which Jackie is going to talk about that coming up soon. And uh, I thought it was an excellent, excellent point that they, they made out. Um, in regards to that but i love how jackie said god came and found her yeah at 19 and 19 i was a whole lot older and that's i wrote down just listened to her she got there long before i did now when when she met god i was yeah a decade older than her and i still hadn't met him like i met god the first place somebody who loved me like somebody loved her i was 27 and i grew up in church but you know she says yeah god didn't meet her to make her heterosexual he met her to change her and you know, we talked about this that it is it seems it's it breaks my heart that people who struggle with this that becomes their identity that's why we spent so much time talking about it at the beginning because because of the community issue and i don't want to steal her thunder but because that's the only place that's what gets them kicked out but it's also what helps them identify with other people then that becomes their identity and i love how she couches that that god didn't want to make her straight god wanted her to be holy and in the process it worked out along those lines but it, it worked out because uh, I'm going to read exactly where, where um, the quotes, I wrote them down, right? So he goes, um, it wasn't me turning my life over to Jesus to be better or to be heterosexual. It was me meeting Jesus, giving him all of me. Yeah. And giving him all of me, he changed all of me. Good figure. She knows how to say it better than I do. Right. But, yeah. Uh, and better than me. That's why I wrote it down. So. <laughs> um but that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I talked about earlier with you a situation that we as people, when we identify ourselves in our sin, 
we tend to put shackles on ourselves and the devil doesn't have to put the shackle on us any longer. Yeah. And uh, I used the Pilgrim's Promise with a guy that was stuck inside the cage, unlocked, right? Yeah. He chose to, to stay there. And it's all because we're hanging on to that. Um, you know, uh, we've brought up in class, you know, that we, we were addicted to sexually immoral things, you know, like pornography and uh, womanizing and, and all those different things. But it wasn't until we met Jesus that those those things changed. But when we met Jesus, was it a Paul moment? <laughs> or was it a um, middle of the night on the top of a house <laughs> Nicodemus moment? It was more like... Naaman for me, you know, going to Elijah, wanting to be cured of leprosy. It was like, you want me to do what? Come on, that's not going to work. Um, and then having somebody, in this case, it was Stacy, you know, saying, come on, dude, it's this simple. Um, but still, like, come on, that's a dirty river. You know, the Jordan, what's it going to do for me? But like, she's stuck with me through all of that. And that's what showed me God is through Stacy. And over, I mean, Seven years of being married, still addicted to sexual sin, and how I know without a doubt that she is a disciple of Jesus. She's a follower of Jesus because she reflected Jesus to me, and that was all that brought me back to Him. I'm trying to think who uh, who I can reference. So who in the and I'll say Moses. All right, because I'm rocking this nice white beard. <laughs> and the truth is, um, Jesus came and got me at 40. That's really the reference is the transformation of the 40 years that he ran away. Yeah. And, right. Mm-hmm. And he ran away because he, he really didn't know Christ. He didn't, well, obviously, he didn't know God. He didn't know right? God. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it wasn't until th- that part with the burning bush is like, you know, take off your sandals. Like, to me, that's the part is like where I had given up on the church. God was like, no, I'm done. Let me man. show you something. Yeah. You're going to do something. You're going to do something for me. Right. And we talked about how did that God led us to, to be doing something like this. Right. Right. And I had for many, many years rejected him, blamed him and all these other things. I officially said, give me my, my one way pass to hell. I'm ready to go. Give me my inheritance. Yes, exactly. I'm done. Yeah. And I, I really wanted to use Moses for the, the beard. <laughs> well, I mean, before, <laughs> the the, I'm years. your Aaron. Yeah. You know, because I can't shut up. <laughs> That's not what I said. <laughs> I know. That was last but... <laughs> week. You know, and I'm, I'm fat because I'm so full of myself. So. <laughs> but anyways, the proper thing I said was... <laughs> I'm Moses and you're Aaron because I'm not so well with the words. Yeah, I know what you, well, I know what you meant too. So I am listening. No, no, that's that, that's a side talk. All right. Yeah. Anyways, um, but you know, giving ourselves completely to God—that that's something that I think a lot of people just don't want to do because right? that's what changed it. And then it goes back to just the um, idolater. We idolize ourselves enough to think that God's not enough for us. Yeah. That we we need to control it, um. So, yeah. But let's go ahead and uh, Jackie talks so much better than we do. Yeah, let's get uh, back to on, it. on this. Uh, she's about to go over the the three main points, um. But something that she she's gonna talk about that helped her the most is that the gospel was the only tangible thing that that allowed her not to turn back. So let's go ahead and let's join Jackie. One. Faith in the gospel makes us new creatures. One thing about Jesus is when you meet him, you change. It's just going to happen. You you cannot stay the same once you met God. J.I. Packer describes it this way. Regeneration is the spiritual change wrought in the heart of man by the Holy Spirit in which his or her inherently sinful nature is changed so that he or she can respond to God in faith and live in accordance with his will. It extends to the whole nature of man, altering his governing disposition, illuminating his mind, freeing his will, and renewing his nature. 
When I was growing up, I never heard this definition. I thought that Christians were people that wore dresses and didn't listen to secular music. That's all I know. And so I figured that all Christians just had some really great self-control. So when it came to me knowing, okay, I think I'm in sin and I know I'm supposed to change, I had no concept that conversion was supernatural. And so I had to see that when God saves a person, he actually changes a person where they're not just not doing bad things, but they actually are empowered to do opposite of that. For the Christian that deals with same-sex attraction, we cannot negate the fact that once we put our faith in Christ, we are reconciled to God. We are no longer his enemy, but his friend. Faith in the gospel places us in Christ, therefore we are different. And if we are in Christ, then my identity has changed. And this is crucial when I bring myself to my next point. Conversion is supernatural. <laughs> Why is it supernatural? Because it doesn't make any sense. And, you know, people call it the upside down kingdom. And that was part of what I was talking about this morning at communion, is it doesn't make any sense. God's plan blew everybody's mind because like, you're going to do what? <laughs> With who? <laughs> when? God's plan doesn't make any sense. And to Jackie or me, that's all that did the changing, you know, but before that, she said, you know, she thought Christians, people wore dresses and didn't listen to secular music. The only qualifier I've got to that is that we all wore these nice vests, tie and a coat, and we all look like funeral people and there's nothing to see here. Like, I really felt like I was the only sinner in the place. And so it was even worse for me because I was on the inside and I felt just as foreign, just as isolated to these people who apparently had it all together. And the more I, I listen to you uh, in regards to this, my question is, have people not found God here in the building? In this building? Or just the, the building? Just collective yes. church buildings? Mm -hmm. I think so. And I think I'm part of that problem because I don't always love like Jesus. And like Hutt was talking about, like we can't be we can't be, he didn't say this, but I thought, we can't be Buddhist. It isn't both and. It is either or. But either you're with Christ or you're not. But we want, I want to put people on the outside because they don't look right. But I forget that I was them. And that's why your example that we need to be this combat hospital just really stuck with me because I need to be a better medic. And I don't care in that context, I don't care if your leg's blown off, if you've got a second chest wound, you know, it means your, your heart's still beating, but you've got a hole in your, in your lungs and you, you're breathing out the side of your body. You know, you've been gunshot, whatever. I don't care. You're busted and I got to give you back to the hospital. And being in the army and being in combat, that really connected to me because that's how we can lead people to Jesus. And what Hutt said is, it is grace, period. It is not grace and, it's not grace but, it is, we are saved by grace. Now, you know, we talk about Paul and, and James at a different time, but we do those things because we're saved. We don't do them to be saved. But I know I get distracted and said, well, because you're not, you're not doing those things so you must not be saved. And that's, that's where I'm not being Christ-like. And I'm afraid I'm not the only one. And so I think there are definitely people in church. I mean, I was one of them. There three times a week. Had no idea who God was. And I love that she started all this by giving us what the gospel is. Yeah. Remember week four? Yep. We talked about What's the gospel? And what is the gospel? How do you give the gospel? Yeah. Right? And of course, she, she's wonderful with her words, but most of all, it's from her heart. Yeah. Where the Holy Spirit is living and saying, this, yeah. this is what the gospel is. Yeah. You know? And so I love that she's using the gospel. And I think that's where we, as a church, can be like, it doesn't matter how I feel. How does 
God feel about this? Yeah. How does God see these people? How does, right? And what do we know? God loves his creation. Yeah. Even when they, they reject them. Yeah. Right? You were saying it's always faithful. Always faithful. Yeah. And uh, so um, we're going to continue on. Um, I did have some, some other notes here. Um, once again, just referring back to uh, identity. If we are truly uh, find our identity in Christ, um, temptation to sin can no longer change us. Amen. Which is number two. The gospel saves us from penalty and power and makes God's promises available. What do I mean by that? Um, also growing up, I heard deliverance a lot. And deliverance was preached to me as if God delivers you, you won't struggle with certain inclinations anymore. And that's not necessarily true at all, especially when we consider the human experience. What the gospel does when he changes somebody, God not only delivers us from the penalty of our sins, which is death, but he also gives us the power to flee them. I think this is a big deal because what happens is those of us who may be tempted in certain ways, when we feel these emotions and these temptations rise up in us, our natural inclination is to say, I am how I feel. When that's not true, because remember, if you're in Christ, your temptations cannot change your identity. What you are is not how you feel. What you are is what Christ did for you on the cross. When we see our identity through the lens of our temptations, it subsequently has the potential to discourage us, weaken our faith in God, increase our focus on self, and keep us from fighting sin. There was a season in my life where I was dealing strongly with uh, homosexual desires, and I remember the temptations were causing me to question God's word. It's kind of similar to Eve when, you know, God told her through Adam, don't eat this tree, Eve, because if you do, you're going to die. She talks to Satan. In her talking to Satan, she starts to question what the God, all wise, all authoritative God had previously said to her. And I'm feeling the same temptation. Am, am I really saved? Is homosexual really wrong? Can I, can I really not act out on my sexual inclinations? And I felt a leading from God that said, Jackie, you have to believe that my word is true, even if it contradicts how you feel. And that's the way the authority, of the, God, the, the authority of God's word is supposed to work in our lives. We cannot allow our temptations or our inclinations or the remnants of our depravity to govern how we feel. We have to remind ourselves that God made me different. God made me new, and I am what he says that I am. If we are in Christ, the promises of God also apply to us. Ephesians 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Or Hebrews 4.14-16, 4, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted, tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, then we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Lastly, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. These scriptures are powerful. That's why I'm reading them. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. I hope you hear the promises of God given to us. There are promises of grace, of mercy, of help, a way of escape and endurance, and we have to anchor our faith in these texts. This only becomes available to, available to us through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, all of which the gospel has made available to all who believe. Woo-wee! Oh. Preach, sister. Oh, there's so much to impact. Oh, my goodness. We have a faithful God. Man, praise oh, him. Man. I, I'm going to let you take lead on this. <laughs> you know, I like what you said at the beginning, that if God delivers us, the lie is we won't struggle with that. The truth is 
just like Paul said, with the thorn in the flesh, it doesn't mean that we're not going to struggle with that. Like, what do you think about that? Do you agree with her? A hundred percent. All right. Tell me hundred percent. Uh, God has delivered me from pornography, but I still struggle with the temptations of pornography. Right. But uh, because what he's done for me and what he's done for all of us, I don't, if it comes across my screen, I'm like, no, I swipe. And then here's that little devil. Oh, Jeff Anthony, (laughs) you know what that's like. You should go back. I'll put some syrup on there. Is that how it sounds? (laughs) Most of the time. Yes. I don't know why that high screechy voice is is attractive, but, but no, it really is right. It's They said it in the video. Temptation's not a sin. Yeah. Temptation's not the sin. It's the action of falling to the temptation. That's the sin. Yeah. Right. And the people in the in the class video, when they were talking about like how God has delivered them from from the temptation of being same sex attracted, they never said, "Oh, he took it away." And I think it's it's key because I've heard this so many times before I came to the church. Um, you know, and I shared with you that I have friends that are same sex attracted. Yeah. And to hear the things like, just pray it away, I, I was like, stupid Christians. Yeah. Well, I'm being honest right now. Like, yeah. that was the, like, these guys are idiots. They're... <laughs> you know? And I, even till today, I will not say you can pray something away. The only one that's going to take anything away is going to be God. And sometimes he doesn't take things away because that's just the cross you're going to have to bear. And we're, we're all going to have to bear that cross, whatever it is. Uh, for me, the uh, you have this addiction to um, pornography. It's always going to be there, but it's not you. And when it comes up, just remember, I'm right here with you, son. You don't have you don't need that to affirm who you are. You don't need that for you to feel seen he's he's like simon and cyrene for us okay we're on the ground and he comes to pick up the cross now he's doing it without a question like oh why are you picking me he's like no i i want to go and help you right you know what i mean um but i mean can you identify with what she's saying that you felt like that temptation that sin was your identity or did it, was it different for you? I fell into that. That's who I was, yes. It's like, oh, I suffered this disease. I'm going to, there's nothing I can do. Um, and I understand when I did pray back in the days, like, you know, I was like, I don't want to do this to people because I, I know the hurt. I know the suffering that comes from it. But it was like, oh, I wasn't being delivered from it. I, I can reflect now it's because I never really had true faith. I never had those things and I was praying for the wrong thing. You know, so I identify in the in the sense that it's going to be there, that it may not be taken away. You know, listen to you, a couple of things come to mind. Is one is God's grace is sufficient. You know, I talked about that this morning. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, Jesus told us that we daily need to pick up our cross and follow Him. And our cross isn't our sin, but it may be the it may be the result of Denying that sin. <laughs> and I forgot what I was going to say next. <laughs> Go figure, right? De- denying the sin as doing the action or denying that you're in that sin? It is not choosing not to succumb to the temptation. It's like you said at the beginning, our temptation is our sin, isn't our sin. And we've got scriptural example of that in the gospel. I mean, Jesus was tempted, but he said and he set the perfect example in that, go figure, that he fought off temptation with the word of God. God's word is eternal, and because God is faithful, his words are faithful. And just like she said in, yeah, 1 Corinthians 10, that you will be not tempted beyond what you can bear, but also there'll be a way out. And that's that's what I need to remember is the gospel is grace and mercy, but help and escape. And she said endurance that we can have the strength to not be identified by our sin, to not 
succumb to our temptation and to, he, Paul says in other places, to run the race as if to win. I'm trying to decide whether I want to, <laughs> if I want to, want to, you know, but I don't think so. I don't think I'm going to do that. Um, no, I am. I want to go back to 1 Corinthians because I think that's a, uh, a verse that's so not used correctly in the way used, I read used. it. Yes. Yeah. Do you know where I'm going with this one? Go ahead. Tell us. Yeah. <laughs> Reread it for me. I don't have it. All yet. right. So this ESV, no temptation has overcome you that is not common to man. That's an important point. Mm -hmm. God is faithful, like we've talked about, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Stop there. That would never give you more than you can handle. <laughs> right? So you're telling me, let's use it in this reference, right? Let's say I was gay and you were to tell me, Jeff, God made you gay because you can handle it. <laughs> I know that's not what's being said here. Right. But this is a good, I, good way to, based on what she said, how we end up hurting people. Yeah. Because, well, it goes back that... To what she said at the beginning, if God delivers us, we won't struggle. And since I'm still struggling, you telling me, well, just suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> yeah. That's basically how it comes across yes. is, don't worry, it's not that big a deal. You can handle this, is how often that is misused. And we were talking about the other night, you know, all those stupid coffee cup verses, you know, that don't mean what they think it means. And this is one of them. That that's not really what it says. And I think the rest of that is why it won't be beyond your ability because he will give us the way out. He will give us the way of escape and he will give us the power to endure it. So the rest of it, you know, he will not let you be tempted beyond your belief, but, and it, those things are important. So with the temptation, he will also provide you a way of escape so that you can endure it. But too often the church's church misses the key phrase, you know, whenever they say but or therefore or and, like they're referring to the other thing, but they're giving you the important end to the story. And in this case, yes, you're going to be tempted. But when we're in Christ, he will give us the way out of that temptation. And that but that's in there, I always crack up. You want to know why? Why? Because he's like, I know what I think you just heard. <laughs> Listen, yeah. you know, and I'm here doing the. Uh, ASL version of listen, you know, listen <laughs> to what I'm saying. Right. Right. Yeah. But hang but, on. Yeah. Pounds the table yeah. a little bit. The, the finishing part is like, the, the only reason we can overcome it is because of Christ and Christ alone. Yeah. That's it. We don't have the power to do anything else, but to be like Eve, like she said, right. To be like Eve and, and question God, like, are you sure I'm not, like, do you have it all together? Because right. what this guy's telling me sounds it's way better good. and it yeah. sounds very rational. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go eat of the fruit. Right. Now, Jackie pulled a third paw and a, <laughs> yeah. did you catch it? Yeah. Don't eat of this. Or she's like, don't eat this tree. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, ah. But anyways, I digress. I just wanted to, she, she's part of the club now. Yeah. So I don't feel so bad because she's really well, she can talk well. So. Yes. Um, but just to, just to kind of bring us back, um, key things, um, what he delivered us from is really the, the big key thing here is the penalty of the sin that we do, which is yeah. death. That's what Christ came to do is to pay the penalty for us because we, there's nothing that we can do to ever pay that amount, right. you know? And when we think about the insurmountable debt that's owed to the king by this one person, yeah, right? Um, and then uh, the power to flee the sin, right? Is reflecting on what he did for us that allows us to be like, I don't want anything to do with you devil because I already know where you're taking me and I've already been taken out of that and I'm not going back, right? right? Which refers back to, Giving him all of me, he changes all of me. All of me. You know? Uh, and she said it. This is a big deal, right? My natural inclination is to say, I am what I feel. Yep. And oh my goodness, is that not the world right now? Right now. now. I mean, <laughs> it's actually called sexual identity. Like, it is... They are saying, I am what I feel. Like, 
we've talked about that is just heartbreaking, even like aside from God, that you are so much more than you feel, even if I'm an atheist, like you're more than that. But that's how I felt. I am this sexaholic. That's who I am. I can't get away from it. Like we talked about before, I put God in this really small box because I was there. And that's why it's so heartbreaking for me is not just in God's eyes, and just in completely amoral, not immoral, but has nothing to do with God. We are so much more than how we feel. You know, when people weaponize that, you know, facts don't care about your feelings and they're right, but that's not kind. Um, you are You are so much more than that. And she gets to why that's so powerful in the next section. So I'm going to leave it there. But she says, I am who he says I am. And I don't really like that song. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to roll with that right now. <laughs> I don't really like that song. I am who you say I am. Just, you know, it's one of those songs that goes on forever. You know, are we going to sing of his love forever? But it's, she's right. I am who he says I am. I'm not who I feel I am. I'm not who you say I am. I'm not who the church says I am. I am who God says I am. And God sees me as redeemed, sees me as forgiven, and sees me built for something new to be that well-equipped medic to go out and rescue other people. Yeah. Did she not touch on the promises? I thought she did. You're saying there's there, you're saying that's going to come up? I want to make sure I'm not jumping ahead. Just about community, how... Oh, okay. But the importance really are the promises, right? Yeah. The promises of grace, mercy, help, way of escape, endurance. Yeah. That's what, mm-hmm. right? There's so many other fruits of the Spirit that he gives us, and it's just so powerful. And, you know, when I when I read her, not the song, but what she said, God's authority, I am what he says I am. And to tie it to the song, set free. Yeah. Hmm. All right, let's go ahead and let's get to Jackie. Yeah. Lastly, the gospel provides community. And everybody said so much about community where I don't even want to say this point, but I'm just going to add on to it, all right, like croutons. Um, <laughs> when God saved us, he not only just isolated us and like, yeah, you, just you saved. He saved us and brought us into a family in a community of people. More specifically, the local church. Therefore, I am not alone when dealing with same-sex temptations. I need people to pray for me, to correct me, to teach me, to guide me, and point me to truth. Oftentimes, I think the pushback is people don't want to become a part of a local church or community because they fear not being understood, which is valid. I think that is scary to go into a circle where you don't know how people may respond to you when you're honest. But I don't think that that should be a good enough excuse to deter us from the growth available in a local church. Most of us may not be able to empathize or understand the struggle with a specific sin such as homosexuality, but I believe that all people can empathize with sin as a whole. I think that's even more crucial to why the church should actually exemplify a community. The thing about the gay community is it actually is a community. You actually feel safe, you feel listened to, you feel heard, you feel understood. So I think it's a problem when those who are unbelievers feel way more safe in a room full of unregenerates than they do people who God knows. That's why it's more crucial for us to read Corinthians and read the scriptures and how do we actually love our neighbors practically. And I think we have to get beyond conferences and we have to get behind methods and programs and ideas and actually just obey what God said in his word. From there, people will be heard. Ouch. And thank you. Uh, At the same time, um, gosh, you know, I I think about that. Um, First, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for people of this church uh, I want to say thank you because uh, God has used this church to create a community for myself, yeah. for healing, you know, for all these things that Jackie just said. But I understand the part of the other churches I've been to <laughs> that weren't safe. I wasn't listened to or heard. And yeah, 
um, I'll probably be too much in my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to kind of let you walk, walk us through this one. I, yeah. So she said the gospel provides community. And I've heard it before, but I forgot she said it. So I wrote it down. Community says I'm not alone. And I wrote it and underlined it, put a star next to it. In church, too often, we can't be honest. And that's where we find community is this community of a bunch of liars, a bunch of dirty, rotten, stinking liars. Because, like Stephen said, we're all addicted to something, but nothing to see here. We can't form a community if we're not honest with each other. And that's why, like you said, I praise God that the leaders in this church let us two knuckleheaded, wretched men lead this class. And I can't help but wonder if they know it's because we're not going to pull any punches, but we're also not going to poke anybody in the eye because we've been there and we've done most of it. But the only way I can be healed in this combat hospital, but tell you how I'm wounded. And if I can't tell you how I'm wounded, you can't fix me. You can't heal me. The gospel, you're not going to fix me. Gospel can't fix me if I feel like I have to hide my sin. And in my own experience, me hiding my sin just made it worse. You can't talk about it. Doesn't really exist. You know, she talks about being more feeling safer in a room full unregenerate people. That's exactly my story. And I shared that with you earlier before we got to this, right? How I reached out to uh, people I care about that are same sex attracted. Um, I grew up in the church, and that's the one thing that they said they're like, I found, oh, how do I don't want to wear this? Because just listening to, you know, it breaks my heart. Like feel belonging? Okay. I felt, I found what, kind of like what you said, like, oh, I see God's love through Stacy. That they're, that they're, I think it's legit what they're saying, but I think they're also not receiving what they need to do. Where she's like, we need to be in God's word. And we, that these outsiders of who don't love God and don't want to feel uh, or, or follow him and obedience, like she was talking about, that th those people are showing her a fake gospel, showing, I'm sorry, them a fake gospel. And that breaks my heart because when I'm talking to them, I'm, I guess there's still a level of uncomfortableness that I still can't be fully that way. And maybe as she said, right, fear keeps people from being part of the community and not understood right that i'm trying to understand who they are and be like but i'm honest with them and say i hope i can get to the point that you can tell me your story because the truth is i'm very interested in your story and see how you got here and how i can help you i go and if i can't i know who can which is christ yeah. and i shared with people that when I generally come up to them, it's always like, how's your walk? How's your, right? And it's still kind of... Can eh, I pray for you? Yeah. And it's sincere, but it's not enough. Does it more me enough to be like, I don't know. Uh, do, catch what I'm saying or not really? I, I, so. <laughs> look at my face. Because <laughs> I know you care. And that's, that's why I love you. It is, you know, from the first time we met. You know, you talk like not too many people I've met. You know, I was basically a stranger. And you said, man, I almost walked out. I'm like, I need to get to know this man because me too. But I was still having trouble opening up about that at that point. But I know I didn't have the courage to admit that to a complete stranger. <laughs> and you did. And so you, you taught me something. Praise God. I don't do that often, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, as as you were talking, I think reflecting on what she said, you know, the gospel provides community, but too often we ignore what John said. In 1 John 1, the end of chapter 1, he said, if we say we have not sinned, we make God a liar and his word is not in us. And it's a shame too many churches ignore what he said because you you have to be sinless before you walk in this building we make god a liar and we're not following scripture so we built we built these buildings 
Not all of us, and praise God, not much here. But we say, you have to fix it before you can let Jesus fix it. And that is a crying shame because we can't expect people who know don't know Jesus to act like they know Jesus. And so that's why several months ago, everybody's welcome at the cross. And because everybody is welcome in the cross, and because the cross is the symbol of our redemption, everybody needs to be welcome in this building. If we're going to say we're followers of Jesus, and that's what Jackie's saying, we're going to say we're followers of Jesus, then we need to be a safe place where people can come and be seen, heard, and known. Because only once we get to that point can people actually feel safe. And if we say, you're not allowed to come in here because you're a sinner, we make God to be a liar. Because we're saying, Jesus isn't what saves you. You've got to do it. And I'm so glad Hut is going through Romans. Because, and if anything, we live in Rome. Yeah. But he nailed it to the floor today. Grace, period. Not grace and, not grace, but grace. So Jackie's about to go into an important piece of this community and tie everything together uh, in her ending of her, her keynote uh, speech here. And uh, we'll just come back uh, after she's done with that. Yeah. For me personally, I was discipled um, by a woman who was the women's leader at um, my church. I went to a church in L.A. for about two and a half years. And the thing that was so crucial to my growth was that she discipled me holistically. She didn't just say, you know what, Jackie, we're going to just work on this lesbian thing. We're just going to work on this lust thing. She just took me under her wing. I lived with her, and she said, no, we're going to study how to read the Word of God. We're going to study how to pray. We're going to work on your gluttony. We're going to work on your greed. We're going to teach you how to steward your money. Where I saw that all of me holistically was in need of the gospel to change me. And I think as a community, we need to do the same thing. And our fight against sin we cannot afford to isolate ourselves from God's church. In Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, Paul, he says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. If God has said and created people with roles that will equip us and mature us, then those of us who are struggling, we can't decide, oh, I'm going to grow apart from the way that God taught me to grow. We have to go to a local body because there's where these roles are expressed. We need people to help us. And I know it's scary, but fear is a great place to trust God. Amen? So how does the gospel equip those with same-sex attractions? Faith in the gospel changes us, therefore we have hope. Christ not only saves us from the penalty of sin, but he has made provision for our victory over temptation of sin. Christ did not leave me or you to fight this battle alone, but there is a community of other new creatures that God will use to grow me. With that said, I just want to end with, I have had friends that went to church with me, people in my life who walked away from homosexuality with me, but most of them have went back. And I get it because I think walking away from the lesbian lifestyle is honestly one of the hardest things somebody can do because it really is who you are. It affects how you see yourself. It affects how you see sexuality. It affects who you're friends with. It affects where you go. And so I think to leave all of that is difficult. But I guess my encouragement for those that are considering leaving Jesus I would like to remind you of the story of the rich young ruler who went up to God and said, God, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus looks at him and says, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And it says that he walked away sorrowful because he had a lot of stuff, right? I think most of us may not be rich, but I think the things that we have, we think that they're better than God. And so because we think that they're better than God, it's easier for us to walk away from him still holding on to those things. 
And the truth is, if you are struggling and if you are tempted, it's not merely that you're struggling with your sexuality, it's that you're struggling with seeing that God is better than you think that he is. And so my encouragement is, you have to do what you have to do to just see Jesus. Just see Jesus. Get on your floor, pray, and say, God, please help my unbelief because I don't see you as beautiful or as gorgeous as I know you to be. And when you get to that place where you see that God is all that he says he is and that he will do all that he says he will do, you will have victory. It may be difficult and it may be hard because the cross is heavy, but the joy set before you will give you grace to endure. So I would like to end with Jude 24, one of my favorite passages. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Remember, now to him, him who is able to keep you from falling. Thank you. Come on, man. What do you think about that? <laughs> like she said at the beginning, she was discipled holistically. Like, does that resonate with your experience? So today Hut talked about um, the roots and the branch, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, it resonates that, you know, so like if you have a sick tree, and you're only just trying to take care of the branches and not the root. You're you're always gonna have, you're gonna lose that tree. Yep. You know what I mean. So in order in order for that tree to survive, you have to fix the problem, which it's root. You know the roots are in bad soil, right? And so yeah, I firmly believe that. And that I think when you do that, <clears throat> it's easy to then kind of what they brought up once again. You know, in class, like. The part is that they're identifying themselves in that sin, right? But it's not just one sin. It's a multitude of sin. Yeah. And what covers a multitude of sins? Hmm. <laughs> Come on, brother. Say it. Grace, blood of Christ. I can't. <laughs> I, I believe it was written, love covers a multitude of sins. Yes. Real love. Love that so much that you're willing to leave your full authority to come down and meet somebody where they're at. Yeah. That's what he came to do. He came, he came to go fix the soil so our, we can be rooted with him. He's the nutrients. He's the life source. He's all of it. And without him, we will die and we'll be fruitless. You know, Jesus <laughs> ministered holistically. You no, know, he got a bad rap because he hung out with the sinners and the political leaders of the day said, what are you doing hanging out with sinners? Said, the, the well don't need a doctor. And he met them where they were, literally on the floor in their houses, sat down with them. You know, that's the first time in the gospel according to Matthew. That's the first thing that Matthew records Jesus doing with him was going and sitting down in somebody's house where everybody knew was a sinner. They sat down with them on the floor, ate their food, and said, y'all, this is how it is. And he still gave them a choice. He said, follow me. You've got to pick me. And that's why I love what she said, that fear is a great place to trust God. You know, we've talked about it before. We talk about it in, in trail life. Courage isn't the absence of fear. It is doing something in spite of the fear. And when you're afraid, that is the place to trust God. Because if you weren't afraid, you wouldn't need God. Because you are afraid, God is the best one, the only one who can give you that freedom. But, you know, we're just talking about it. Like We know people who are afraid to set foot in a church building. And I can't blame them. Praise God, it's less this church building than a lot of others I've been in. But we bring so much baggage into this place and it scares people off when that fear is when they should trust God the most. But I know I'm, I'm guilty of that, of 
scaring people off because I feel like I've got it all together, can't be honest around me. And so I am standing in the way of people finding grace and forgiveness because I've contributed to an environment that makes them so afraid that there's no way they can get to God to trust him to deliver them in their fear. And to go into the discipleship portion, um, this weekend was the men's retreat, and uh, we talked about mentors and mentees, right? And we look at Paul, his mentor was Barnabas, right? And uh, Paul, mentee, right, as I would say? Who, Who was it? Timothy. What about before Timothy? Silas? Yeah. Uh, John Mark? Yeah. Well, that right. was a little bit more Barnabas's disciple, um, mentee, and that was what that's what makes that... But I, I, want, I want to bring that up yeah. for a purpose, right. though. Okay. Right? Um, I think... Uh, so, Barnabas being the mentor and the, men, the uh, mentee is... Um, Paul, right? It should be like, oh, if my mentor is bringing someone else, then we're brothers, right? And then I'd be like, well, you know what, man? And I'm guilty of this. That's why I'm bringing it up. All right. And you're going to catch on really, really quick. Well, you know, man, you're not all in. You, you need to let this guy go. Have him go somewhere else because he's not all in. You know, I don't like hanging out in there no more because they're all stuck on milk and I need meat. You know, I carry that shame with me because I, I probably bring it up to you how often. Every conversation, <laughs> right? But through mentors, I'm learning like, hey, even though we're all in different stages of a walk, we're all on the walk. And there'll be times that eventually these people, like, you know, think about it. John Mark wrote a, a gospel. Yeah. Peter trusted him enough. Yeah. You know, I mean, good old Pete. Pete. <laughs> He didn't like sharing. Either. That guy had an attitude. You're right. <laughs> you know, and, uh, of course, tongue in cheek, you know, I don't want to take away Peter's, uh, the great things he did for the church. You know what I mean? No, don't go all Catholic on me. No, I'm saying through Christ. No, so <laughs> I just did Acts 4. I didn't do it. I got sick. Um, but we were ta- I, I had notes about that, about um, Peter being the rock, yeah. you know, and how that's twisted, you know, but. Um, but we can't neglect Peter at all because Peter was the, through Christ, through God that he's he, that the Holy Spirit is like, that's God in front of you, right? And it was only through the power of the Holy Spirit that he revealed because Jesus didn't reveal it to him. Who did Jesus reveal that he was God to? Who was the very first person? You have to remind me. I got to look around first. <laughs> A woman, um, and not just yeah. any woman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A Samaritan, Samaritan woman, adulterous, yeah, man, yeah, <laughs> not to Peter, yeah, not to John, the beloved, yeah, right, not to Andrew, to the woman at the well. She was the very first person, yeah, to hear Jesus say, "I am," and she couldn't help but tell everybody about it. Yes, why? Because she was seen, she felt safe. Listened to and heard. She was known. Yes. Even before she said anything, she was known. And that is what gave her the courage to step out of the fear that you know she had to have had because of all those things. She met Jesus face to face and he said, I see you. He changed all of me when I met him. Yeah. I mean, and that's... That's why I said what I said this morning at communion. He sees you. He knows you. You and you're talking about you can't can't hide it from him and he still loves you. And it's not still loves you. Period the end. He he loves you. Not in spite of your mess, not because of your goodness. God loves you where you are yesterday, today and tomorrow. He loves you in that place. And when we allow him to meet us there, like the commercial, he gets us. Mm-hmm. He, he sees you where you are. And it hurts to know that the church 
big C church world tends to instill fear in people. And we need to be the ones say, you don't have to be afraid. Come on. Andy Mineo says it. We should be unashamed and we should be willing to become uncomfortable. Yeah. And Jackie hit it here. We can get into that realm by being in God's word because God's word is what's going to hold us anchored to him. And we're not going to be taken away um, by temptation because of our anchor. Yep. I think that's another title he has too, right? We talked about titles last week. Yeah. Our God's amazing. And cool. it's time for us to let him out of our box. Guess what? He's already been out of your box. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's time for us to recognize that yeah. he's he's not in a box. Yes. Yes. Well, Sean, thank you so much um, for joining me and uh, going over this yeah. uh, keynote. Uh, speech that Jackie did in regards to this very hot topic. <coughs> Sorry, and I'm encouraged uh, by the group of young professionals and adults that we have in our class. Amen. And I look forward to having these conversations, and I pray to our Lord that we come with grace, mercy, with help, wave of an escape, and endurance, yeah. which are his promises to us. Come on. I know you prayed us in, but if you do, it's like we're praying us out as well. Oh, Lord God, we thank you, Lord. And as Jude wrote, you are the one that can keep us from stumbling. And because of you, we can be blameless in your presence. But it's only because of you, our Savior, and your Son, Jesus Christ, that we can approach you with not just not fear, but with boldness. You call us to you because you've seen it all and you love us no matter what. You call us out of our sin into your glorious light. And we praise you for giving us the way out and giving us endurance to run the race to win. Not because we have to win, but because we want to win because of what you've done. Help us to win with grace, to win with love, that we wouldn't sacrifice truth, but we would love people the way you loved us that we would meet people where they are and then show them Jesus, that we would live your word so that you would be glorified. Father, all glory and majesty, dominion and authority for all time, now and forever. We pray in the mighty name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Amen. This concludes this week's podcast. Just remember, when the world tries to get you to backslide, all you got to say is, Nah, bro.